You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, welcome here to CA Church. Those of you from Mariner Campus, those of you from Town Center, those of you from Rail City, those of you who are visiting, we are so glad to have you guys here. My name is Cam. I'm one of the pastors here at CA Church. And the campus pastor at Rail City, and it is an honor to gather with you today on Good Friday. Some of you might be wondering, uh, if you're new to church, the faith of the story of Jesus, why we call it good. There's a cross. The songs speak of blood and death and burial. Why do we call it good? The atmosphere at moments maybe feels as Sam Pastor Sam spoke to more of a funeral. The songs at moments feel more somber. There may even be tension in the air for you right now. As you're trying to put together the story of what's taking place, well, at this time of each year, this date in the calendar, we begin to reflect and remember and retell once again the story of Jesus. And on this day, we fixate, we focus on, we look to the cross. We remember the death of Jesus. And so if you're new to the story, I want to tell you the story today from the very beginning. I want to give you context. And I want to look at the lens of the gospel. I want to look through a different lens today of the gospel. A different way of looking at it through the lens of Jesus' lordship and his kingship. We're in a a mini-series this weekend as we talk about what it means to crown him. We believe that Jesus is king. We believe that Jesus is king. We do. A little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born, a man who changed history, a man who changed our calendars. At his birth, the cosmos, the stars aligned to mark the moment, this event. At that time, the scholars and astrologists and those who study the signs and the times, as they were looking up, they saw his star rise. So some wise men, as you know the story, they went to Jerusalem. They found King Herod. And they asked King Herod, where is the king of the Jews? We saw his star rise. We saw his star rise. We've come to worship him, they said. At hearing this, the scriptures tell us that King Herod was deeply disturbed. Herod was the king of the Jews. He didn't want this child to interfere with his power and authority and control and most of all his kingship. He felt threatened and so much like other monarchs throughout history, when there is a threat to the crown, what do you do? You try to wipe it out. And Herod tried to do this. He gathered the religious scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders, trying to discover where this king would be born. They informed him he would be born in Bethlehem. He'd be born in Bethlehem. He decided to try and interfere with the prophecies revealing God's plans. So what he did is he made a decree that all children under the age of two would be put to death in that region. He wanted to put an end to this baby king. Many years later, Herod died. Thankfully, God outwitted him. He told Joseph via an angel to flee and go to Egypt. And after Herod's death, Jesus and his family, they returned to Israel. 
his life throughout his childhood, his young adult years, and his 20s would have looked very much like the average person. He was a human being. He put on flesh. He lived a life like you and I. But it was when he was 30, there was one who went into the wilderness who said, there there is one coming. Prepare the way for the Lord. And Jesus, even as he was proclaiming this, walks over the hill and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Who will take away the sins of the world. Jesus was baptized and in this moment it affirmed his identity. It affirmed his divinity. It it also affirmed his royalty. The Father from heaven said, This is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit of God descended on him. It was an affirmation. Jesus went into the desert and he had warfare with the enemy who wanted to take out this king. During his three years of ministry, he did many miracles. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. He resurrected the dead. He did things that people had never seen before and he also taught and he preached about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it is coming. There was a lot of energy and there was a lot of enthusiasm around Jesus. People started to believe, is this the one? Is this the anointed one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the king? And so as he enters into Jerusalem, what takes place is that he receives a king's welcome. The people gather on the streets. They say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The people gather in the streets and they lay palm branches in front of his feet to roll out a red carpet of sorts. As Jesus entered, they said, praise God. Praise God for the son of David. They believed that this one, Jesus Christ, was from the lineage of David. He was the great, great grandson of David. He was the one they'd been waiting for, the one who would rule and reign (laughs) over them, would put to end the rule and reign of other nations and other powers that had ruled over them all those years. The Jews had been waiting and hoping and longing for the king to arrive, and here he was, and they proclaimed his kingship over him. Just like the wise men had determined through the stars, just like the prophets had prophesied of old, just like the angels had proclaimed at his birth, and just like the Father had spoken over him at his baptism, they believed that he was the one, that he was the king. But Jesus began to dissuade them. This is not the way I will be crowned. This will not be the way that I will become king. And he began to speak to them in ways that made the crowds feel uncomfortable about this man being their king. And so they did not crown him that day. But the religious leaders of that time, the prophecies, sorry, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they didn't like the things Jesus was saying. In fact, you might even sense a a little bit of jealousy at his success and his insight into the scriptures. Jesus would challenge the religious leaders of that day. He often went head-to-head with the scribes, the theologians. He would push them on their understanding of God and the kingdom and the scriptures. He made claims to them that they would consider blasphemy. And because of this mixture of envy and outrage, the claims of Jesus, the religious leaders began to plot to kill him. 
Jesus, after teaching his disciples or during his teaching with the disciples, he says this, as you know, Passover begins in two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. He, he crucified, his, he, he prophesied his own death. And then it says in verse 3, at the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. Jesus eventually comes before this council of Pharisees, the leaders of Israel, where they deem that his claims of not just being Messiah, but God, was worthy of death. The high priest declared that he had committed blasphemy, so they beat him, and they sent him to trial. They beat him with their own fists that day, and they brought him before the Romans and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. In John's account, Pontius is is speaking to Jesus, and Jesus admits that he is a king, but a king of another kingdom, a king of a spiritual kingdom. But Pilate, believing he was guiltless, and after being warned by his wife not to kill him, had an idea. He said, it's often your custom that I would release a prisoner at this time of year at Passover. I have someone in mind. You could have Barabbas, remember him? And we could release him, this hardened criminal revolutionary. Or you could have Jesus, who you claim to be king, upon his entry into Jerusalem. But the religious leaders began to stir up support that Jesus be killed and Barabbas be released. The crowd got riled up. A riot of sorts ensued. They shouted, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas, ironically, Bar means son and Abba means God. The crowd cheered, give us the son of God. Give us the son of God. But they chose the wrong man. The third act of this story, we see that the convicted is crucified. Pilate had Jesus flogged with a whip. The soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head. They adored him in a purple robe of mockery. They mocked him to his face. They said, hail, the king of the Jews. Oh, look at this king. Pilate brings him out before the people dressed as a king in mockery. He says, behold the man. Look at this man. He's no threat to you. You want to crucify him? But the priests and guards began to yell, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate did not wish to do so. He believed him to be innocent. He pleaded with them, but they screamed. He has committed blasphemy, declaring he was the son of God. And the scriptures tell us Pilate became fearful in his heart at hearing this. The people bellowed, crucify him, crucify him. Nail him to the cross. He said, you want me to crucify your king? They said, yes, crucify him. He said, fine, I wash my hands of this. The convicted is crucified. In John chapter 19, we see the crucifixion of Jesus. I want to read it for us today. And so they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place of the skull. 
They nailed him to a cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. The sign was written in Hebrew and Latin and Greek so that everyone could read it. Then the leading priests objected, saying, change it from the king of the Jews to he said he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate said, no, I have written what I have written, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among them. They rolled dice to see who could keep them. Jesus was hanging on the cross. He knew His mission was now finished, and to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I thirst. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put a hyssop branch and held it to his lips on the cross. It was the day of preparation. The Jewish leaders didn't want bodies hanging there, so they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water began to flow out. These things happened to fulfill the scriptures, that no one would, none of his bones would be broken, and they would look on the one whom they pierced. Have you ever heard of a king like this? Have you ever heard a story of a king being treated this way? You may be wondering today, if Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, how could you do that to your king? How could they do that to the king? He deserved to have many crowns. He deserved that we would crown him, that he would wear robes, but instead the soldiers make a crown of thorns and cover him in a purple robe. He should have been praised as king, but instead in mockery they say, Hail the king of the Jews. He was paraded out in front of the people. They said, Behold the man, look at this weak and frail man. But he should have been paraded out in front of the people. He should have had to never answer to anyone, but he was questioned like a criminal. He should have been declared king, but instead was declared a rebel. He should have judged us from the judgment seat, but instead he was judged by Pontius Pilate from the judgment seat. Jesus should have been highly exalted from the highest throne of all, but rather he hangs the king among criminals. There should have been signs posted all throughout the land. Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the King, has been crowned. But instead, a sign hangs above his head. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, as he is crucified before their eyes. He should have been clothed in majesty in the finest of cloths, but instead he is stripped naked. A king deserves the finest of wines, but this day he drinks sour wine that was used for medical purposes. We should have crowned him. We should have crowned him as king. The world should have worshipped. 
If you read the story of Jesus, have you ever met a king like this? And yet he was crucified on our behalf. But there was purpose in the crucifixion. There was purpose in the cross. Hebrews gives us a hint. It says actually that Jesus, with the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What took place on that day, on that cross? Why would the king of kings allow himself to be crucified? Why would his father in heaven who said, this is my son, not come to his defense? Why would he allow himself to be crowned with thorns and brought out in mockery? Jesus died for you and me. Jesus died for you and me. He died so that we could have life. He died so we could have forgiveness of sins. He died so we could be justified. He died so we could be made right with God. He died so we could have freedom from the enemy and freedom from sin. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 to 15 says this, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sin nature was not yet cut, cut away, but God made you alive with Christ for he forgave our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it by nailing it to the cross in this way. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by victory over them on the cross. You see, Jesus willingly died for you and for me. He died for us. He willingly went to the cross for us. This is why the gospel and good news, why we call this the good news. This is why we call this Good Friday. And I realized something this week. I realized something about the cross that I hadn't quite seen before. The cross did not dethrone him. The cross crowned him. The cross did not dethrone him. The cross crowned him. It was through the crucifixion that Jesus Christ was crowned. It was his death that deemed him worthy of our praise. Philippians chapter 2. Paul lets us in on this. This was an ancient hymn, a song that they would sing in the churches those days. It says this, starting in verse 5, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant. He was born a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience. Death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, because he died, therefore, because he was crucified, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It was through his incarnation. It was through his becoming flesh. It was through him dwelling among us, his meek position, his service to the lowly, and ultimately through his humiliation and his death on the cross that he has been declared King, King of kings, and Lord of lords, and given the name that is above every other name, Lord, King, God. Daryl Johnson puts it this way. He says, that is why the hymn, the hymn found in Philippians 2, 5 to 11 says this. Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus the servant. This is why the crucified one is given the name above every other name. The name Lord. In Greek, Kyrios. In Hebrew, Yahweh. God the Father gives the name Yahweh to Jesus, the Son, because the Son's decision to give himself in self-emptying love. The Son has rightly understood what it means to be Yahweh. It is because he emptied himself. It is because he took on our humanity. It is because he became a servant. It is because he laid down his life for us on the cross that he is worthy of the name Lord, Kyrios, Yahweh, God, and King. The title is not granted because Jesus is exalted to a throne. The title is granted because he emptied himself. Self-giving love is the proper expression of divine glory. The passion of Jesus was not his human misfortune. No, it wasn't. It was the decisive manifestation of his divinity. This is why we sing, crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. Hark how thy heavenly anthems drown all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me and hail him as the matchless king through all eternity. The cross did not dethrone Jesus, but crowned him. Lord, Savior, God. King Yahweh. So how do we respond? How do we respond to a love like this? How do we respond to a payment such as this? How do we respond to a king like this? What do we do in our hearts as we reflect and we remember and we retell the story of Jesus' death Oh, friends, the call for us today is to repent and believe in King Jesus. Repentance simply means to turn your back on your old way of life and turn your face back to God. We're called to re repent. We're called to believe. To say, Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, you are who you said you were. Jesus, you did what you said you did. The scriptures tell us, Jesus says, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. We are called to repentance of our sins, our error, our wrong, our mistakes. 
that crucified Jesus. We're called to believe, to believe the good news that this death was for me, forgives me, redeems me, renews me. It was for me. Secondly, we're called to allegiance, allegiance, exclusive allegiance to King Jesus. The scriptures say, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're called to speak it and say it and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are King. We're called to worship him alone. Jesus quoted to the enemy in the temptation. He says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We live in a time right now where there are leaders and philosophies and worldviews and perspectives and political parties and agendas that are calling for our attention. They are calling for our allegiance. They're calling for our worship. They're calling for us to, to side with. And the cross is a reminder this weekend is a reminder that our only allegiance, our sole allegiance, our primary allegiance above all other names, above all other philosophies, of above all other worldviews, leaders, and perspectives is that Jesus Christ is king. We are called to give allegiance to King Jesus, to put away our idols and our substitutes and, and place him rightly on the throne of our life. We are called to give allegiance to Jesus. And lastly, perhaps most difficult, we're called to follow the way of Jesus. We're called to follow the way of King Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross. You must follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. We are called to be a people who die to ourselves and follow Jesus Christ. We are called to be a people who give up our way, our lives, in surrender to King Jesus. He says, if you want to be my follower, the way in which you follow me is the path of the cross. The way in which you follow me is the cruciform life. But if you try to hang on to your ways, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you follow me, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And so, Jesus, we come before you today. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here in this place as you speak to hearts in this moment. The cross demands a response today, Lord God. The cross demands a response. We are called to repent and believe. We're called to give our allegiance to you. We're called to follow you in the path of death and suffering. And this will be hard for some of us to swallow. This will be hard for some of us to accept, to bend the knee. But God, you are calling each of us and all of us to repent and believe. You are calling us Today, as we fix our eyes on the cross to crown you king and declare our allegiance to you, God, you are calling us to follow you more than a worldview or a belief, but in a way of life. And so I pray today that, Holy Spirit, you would help our hearts to be humbled. 
And Jesus, you would help our hearts to be soft. That as we look at the cross, and as we behold the king of suffering, that our response would not be like the Roman soldiers. Our response would not be like the religious leaders of that day. That Jesus, we would not be a people who reject you and mock you. But we'd be a people who receive you and believe in you and give our allegiance to you. And so help us to do that, I pray, Lord. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of the name Lord. You are worthy to be called King of Kings. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy because you died. For us, we love you, God. We're grateful for the cross, and now we remember through communion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.